If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to be turning to Matthew chapter 23. Uh, before we jump in this morning, I'm sure as many of you, my heart has been heavy for uh, the events in Turkey and Syria, and the earthquake that occurred there. Uh, the death toll is now up to 33,000 people. And so, just to give you some perspective, that would be like filling this room up uh, some 50 times over of the people that have lost their lives. So, let's just pause for a moment of silence and go to God in prayer on behalf of our brothers and sisters in Turkey and Syria. And so, Father, we know that on any given day that there are those in our midst and that there are those in our world uh, that have trouble singing the song that we just sang to shout hallelujah. And Father, we come before you in a song that we sang earlier, we cry mercy. We cry mercy, O oh God. And we thank you that you are a God who hears our prayers. Father, may we be a people who, as Alan talked about just a moment ago, are a people who are practicing the kingdom, a people that truly seek first that which you told us to seek first, to be your people in the midst of everyday life. It's in Jesus we pray. Amen. So, do you want to uh, hear the sermon today? I'll take that as a yes. Uh, here's, here's the sermon. In Matthew 23, Jesus rebukes the Pharisees and scribes for their hypocritical behavior and instructs them on how they should live as servants of God. He warns them that they will receive greater condemnation on Judgment Day for leading people astray and laying heavy burdens on them. Jesus reminds us to strive for inner righteousness and to live a life of love and humility, following His example. Let us turn away from our pride and greed and live as servants of God, always striving to do what is right in His eyes. So how did you like the sermon? Was it true? Was it right? Here's the problem with that sermon that I just read to you. I didn't write it. Chat GPT wrote it. Chat GPT is an artificial intelligence that takes a large amounts of data and computing techniques to mimic speech patterns. And Chat GPT wrote that sermon. Yet, if we're honest, if we're honest, there was something lacking from that. I mean, the sermon was missing some things, right? I mean, there, there are weightier matters that that sermon was missing. Authenticity, uh, a real-life application. There's, there's some things that the, the sermon was, was missing. And so, this is some of what I believe Jesus is going to say in Matthew chapter 23. 
You neglect it, the weightier matters. And we'll get to Matthew chapter 23 in just a moment. Uh, you, you'll notice on, on the screen that there's, there's five really significant discourses or teaching blocks in Matthew's gospel. These all come from Jesus, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. These are red letters, Matthew 5 through 7. This is the sermon that we've looked at throughout this series a few times. Uh, if you get to Matthew chapter 10, you, you, you read this discourse on sending out the 12 disciples. And then on to Matthew 13, we read these parables of the kingdom, Matthew 18, greatest in the kingdom, who's the greatest, and then Matthew 24 and 25 is, is the Olivet Discourse. Uh, one author would say that uh, this is, number one, this is the, was a discourse on, on ethics, number, number two was a, a discourse on missions, number three a discourse on the kingdom. Uh, number four is a discourse uh, on the community, and then number five is a discourse on judgment. And so uh, today we're, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 23, which is actually uh, a discourse before the final discourse. And, and for some context, uh, what we realize is that Jesus and his disciples, they've, they've come to the Mount of Olives, if you flip back a few pages to Matthew chapter 21, the triumphal entry of Jesus where they cry, Hosanna, Hosanna. Uh, we're seven Sundays away from Palm Sunday where in some traditions this is, is celebrated, this is, is talked about. And, and so the, the chapter 22 comes along, we see this series of debates. The Pharisees, they're, they're debating Jesus. They're debating him about uh, paying taxes to Caesar. They're, they're trying to trap Jesus. Uh, the Sadducees are even uh, debating Jesus. Uh, they're trying to debate him on, on what, what's the greatest command, Jesus, and we're reminded of his response to, to love God and to love our neighbor. And so Jesus is going to warn the disciples about these false leaders, and he, he says uh, what, uh, what was just read a few moments ago. He says they, they don't practice, they don't practice what they preach. They tie up these heavy loads on people. They don't, don't, they don't practice this. This is what Lily Mathis uh, read just a few moments ago. And so then Jesus says, everything they do is to be seen by others. They actually love it when people call them rabbi. They love that. So Matthew 23, 12, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Isn't it curious that Jesus' own disciples, Peter and James, will repeat these words in their epistles? These words that Jesus has said, they will repeat these because there was substance to them. Then Jesus, right after this, directs what are called the woes against this group, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. He says, you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. The Anchor Bible Dictionary describes a woe as a form of prophetic speech that denotes pain, uh, discomfort, unhappiness. And it's most widely accepted that, that Jesus is going to go on to give uh, seven woes. Some people will argue eight, but most will say seven. The seven woes 
You'll see those on the screen. The, se- the seven woes of Jesus. We don't have time to go through uh, every single woe. Uh, I did that a few years ago, walked through each one of these. Uh, but when we look at the, the seven woes of Jesus, uh, we, we're going to see, I, wanna, I want us to get to uh, woe number four, but in order to get to woe number four, you really got to realize that it's combined with woe number three, so you can't skip woe number three and go on to woe number four until you look at woe number three. And so in Matthew 23, 16, Jesus says, woe to you blind guides. If anyone uh, swears by the temple, it means nothing. But if anyone who swears by the gold of the temple is bound by, by that oath, he says, woe, woe, woe to you, blind guides. They, they try to determine the status of oaths sworn on the gold of the sanctuary as opposed to those sworn on the altar. And Jesus observes that an oath should be kept no matter what part of the altar or sanctuary it's used to, to legitimate the, the, the oath. He's the one that said back in in the Sermon on the Mount that you should let your yes be yes and and your no be no. I'm grateful for leaders who've striven to to do what they said they were going to do. Are you a person who does what you say you're going to do? Do you let your yes be yes? Do you let your no be no? It's one of the reasons that uh, I believe one of our, the pillars of our vision is this, this word devotion, this word devoted. It has this, this connotation of, of commitment. Uh, you know, it, commitment is something that is, is, is sometimes hard to find these days. It's hard to find commitment. And so this brings us to the, the fourth woe, which like I said, actually combines with the third, Matthew 23, 23. Here's what Jesus says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So the, the Mosaic law specified that a tenth of all that you had was to be given back to God through the, the Levites and the priest of the Old Testament. And the leaders are so fixated on that that they miss the daily exercise of the more important matters, such as bringing justice to those who are wrong, mercy to those who do wrong, and faithfulness to those who have departed from the faith. These are, these are the weightier matters. Jesus says you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. How often do we major in the minors? I want you to take uh, just a moment. This past week I got to go see a basketball game at the Exceptional Foundation down the street. I want you to take a second and look at this on the screen. Now, that basket was uh, courtesy of our very own uh, Quinn Mastriani. Uh, Quinn's sitting back here. Um, And I think as our faith family, we ought to tell Quinn he did a good job in that game this week. All right? Yeah. (laughs) 
Now, here's my question. Which one of you would walk into that gym and watch this game and start yelling from the stands, whoa, 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 that's a walk. That's a travel. Uh, uh, Double dribble, double dribble, Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Which one of you would do that? My, my guess is that you would, you would face a, a stern rebuke from, from some. If I was present, I'd be one of them. No, no, we, we, we get, we understand the weightier matters in here. We understand the weightier, it's, 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 no, it's no secret to see the weightier matter is mercy. Yet it gets a little more problematic in the church, doesn't it? Now, we, we see it clearly here. Now, now I'll tell you that, that Quinn's mom, she was, she was not neglecting the former. She was telling him from the stands, hey, dribble. <laughs> you need to dribble. She was telling him that from the stands. She wasn't neglecting the former. But every one of us in those, in those stands was practicing the latter. I don't know of a, of a time that I've had more joy seeing somebody break all the rules in basketball. I mean, there was a, there was a huge smile on my face. I mean, there was tears in my eyes in this game. Tears from watching a basketball game. I can't say that for any other basketball game that I've gone to recently hearing some of you in the stands and what you say to the refs and what you say to the other team, going to some of the baseball fields and hearing what you say to the refs and what you say to the teams. Am I preaching to anybody? That's all those other people that go to the games. I wonder, I wonder how, how this begins to translate into how we do life in the church. Often we were able to get very fixated on, we, we do things the, the right way. We do things, this is how it should be done. And, and we, we have these distinctives that, that we know who we are, we, we know. And, and, and I wonder if we are practicing the weightier matters. It's not that we're neglecting the former, but are we practicing the weightier matters? In what ways are you shutting the door of the kingdom in people's face? Or how about this question? How, how can you be a signpost to the doorway of the kingdom? That which Jesus said to seek first. This leads us up to chapters 24 and 25, this final discourse of of Jesus in Matthew's gospel, where where Jesus says, Matthew 24, 1, Jesus Jesus left the temple. He was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Verse 2, do you see all these things, he asked. Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. 
Now, I'm going to confess, there's a lot of debate to this passage. There's a lot of debate. Is Jesus talking about the destruction of the temple in AD 70 when the Roman army captured the city of Jerusalem and and destroyed the temple? Or is he talking about his second coming? Uh, Or is he talking about both? I believe, as I've continue to study this passage to believe that Jesus is answering the question about the destruction of the temple in chapter 24, and then he answers the question about a second coming in chapter 25. And the end of chapter 24, here's what he said in, in verse 36, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And he goes on to say, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. So whatever precisely one thinks will happen after death, it's clearly important that we should be ready for that next step, whenever it is, is asked of us. Who knows what will happen tomorrow, or who knows what will happen next week? Who knows what will happen next year? Uh, it's up to each church. It's up to each individual. It's, it's, it's up to us to, to, to be able to answer the question, are, are you ready? Are you awake? Are you awake? And this may be the most important message of this whole series, not not because it's coming from me, uh, but because these are the words of Jesus, and they are just as true today as they were 2,000 years ago. Just as true. Matthew 25, 13, therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Jesus says this after a parable about the ten bridesmaids, and then he's going to share a parable about the talents. And, and there seems to be this, this connection between the parable of the talents and, and the seven woes in Matthew 23, that the, the scribes and the Pharisees, that they had been given the law of Moses, they'd been given the temple, they'd been given the promise of being blessed and then being a blessing. And what did they do? They, they buried it. They had turned the command to be the light of the world into an encouragement to keep the light for themselves. And so Jesus goes on and he he closes his discourse uh, the way that that I'm going to begin to close us today. Chapter 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he'll sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he'll separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Uh, In the Middle East, even to this day, sheep and goats regularly graze together. But at night, they have to be separated so that the the goats can be kept warm. Verse 33, he'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left, and then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when do we see you hungry, 
and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or, and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he'll say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, and to the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Regardless of your theological view on the return of Jesus, uh, the, the truth of the matter remains. That life is fragile. That life is fleeting. James would say it this way, that, that life is, is a mist. <laughs> it's like a little spray bottle. So the first group that we see in Jesus' words is this group that was, they were just being. They were being followers of Jesus. Were they doing some things? Yes, they were doing some things, but their doing was flowing out of their being. Their, their doing was flowing out of their, their, their being followers of Christ, practicing the kingdom. Feeding the hungry, practicing hospitality, sharing resources, caring for those who needed Christ's compassion. Uh, we've sang a few songs today that have, have had that theme, mercy, in them. I appreciate so much uh, Kevin and our praise team helping us think through the, the, the theme through, through song and, and through the words and lyrics of songs. Uh, in a wonderful essay entitled, The Scandal of the Works of Mercy, author Dorothy Day lists the works of mercy arranged by Thomas Aquinas based on Matthew 25. The spiritual works of mercy are to admonish the sinner, to instruct the ignorant, to counsel the doubtful, to comfort the sorrowful, to bear wrongs patiently to forgive all injuries, and to pray for the living and the dead. The corporal works belonging to the body are, are to feed the hungry, to give drink to the thirsty, to clothe the naked, to ransom the captive, to, to harbor the harborless, to visit the sick, and to bury the dead. I want you to notice how these stem from Christ's declaration 
of the two highest commandments. To love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. Notice how they all stem from those two. Uh, Next week, our outreach minister, Willie Christman, is, is going to invite us to participate in the the 50-50 challenge, where you'll have 50 days to, to go and bless someone in our community with $50, to, to go and to be the church, to go practice the kingdom. And I, I just want to plant the seed for next week that this is it's not an attempt to earn our status before God. This is, is not an attempt to do enough good things. This is not uh, an attempt to do anything other than have simply an invitation to be a follower of Jesus, to be His follower, to realize that that because of the amazing grace that has been shown to us, that we have been changed. We've been changed from the inside out. We have been changed in such a way that the power of the Holy Spirit, the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit lives inside of us in church. That is something that artificial intelligence will never be able to replace. I want to ask you to stand and read with me from the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 15, starting in verse 3. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the nations, who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name. For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you. For your righteous acts have been revealed. I'm going to ask the praise team if they'll join me on stage as we continue in prayer. So, Father, we ask that you will help us to live as though Jesus is coming back today. But, Lord, we we plan as though he's not. So you are the everlasting God. Father, when this world fades, your your light will continue to shine. Your glory, your glory will be all that we need. So we pray as your son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. And the church said, Amen.